Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Connecticut House Democrats podcast, where we take a deep dive into the laws, bills, and issues that affect the citizens of our state. I'm your host, Brian O'Connor, and this week we'll be talking to Chair of the Committee on Children, Liz Linehan. Representative Linehan has been representing the 103rd District since 2017. In that time, she has been an outspoken advocate for women, families, children, and education, and her legislative accomplishments reflect that. She has worked tirelessly to craft laws that are designed to protect the vulnerable, from preventing workforce discrimination against pregnant women, to mandating stiffer penalties against human traffickers, to training police officers on how to better communicate with autistic children. Put succinctly, Liz is a voice for the underdog. In December 2018, the town of Cheshire, Connecticut, one of three towns that Liz represents, faced an unimaginable loss when a sixth grader named Angelita took her own life. She was 11 years old. The community was devastated and struggled to make sense of what had happened. With the blessing of Angelita's family, Liz worked to turn their loss into a tribute by writing Angelita's Law, designed to improve school climates by proposing social-emotional learning, preventing bullying, and increasing suicide screening in our schools as early as third grade. I wanted to sit down with Liz to talk about Angelita's Law, how it came to be, what it does, and why it's important. Representative Liz Linehan, thank you for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, you've been very open about your past and some of the bullying you've had to endure, uh, both growing up and in your professional life. Correct. You've used those experiences to transform yourself into an anti-bullying champion in the legislature. Could you expand a little bit on your experiences and how they drive the legislation you write? Absolutely. Um, First of all, I was bullied as a child. You mentioned also in my professional career. So uh, what we're talking about now is how I was bullied as a child. And I think that it's connected to how I was bullied professionally. Um, But to understand where I come from um, is that the bullying that I received as a child was not only the typical bullying that you think, you know, nanner, nanner, picking on someone, name calling. There was actually, um, I was afraid for my life a few times. And so uh, that has... uh, Um, shaped who I am as a person, I think. And so therefore that naturally spills into the legislation that I put forward. I don't think it was a conscious uh, thought that, well, I was bullied, so let's do this type of legislation. I think it just, it it goes to the core of who I am. Uh, But yeah, I was, I was bullied in high school. I think it started around age 13 or 14. Uh, It started with comments about my body and how I looked. Um, And then it moved on to the backstabbing lies, spreading rumors, things like that. And then um, ultimately, uh, there were two incidences that I think of as the culmination episodes. Uh, And I, there was this one particular girl who would bully me relentlessly, and she was the ringleader. I kind of make a joke a lot that, you know, um, she was like 5'8", but 6'4", with hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it was was the 80s, the late 80s. This is is how it was. Right. 
But she gathered a group of kids, um, approximately 15 to 20 kids, and they all marched to my house in a mob. And I saw them coming. And then she was leading the charge. Uh, and I heard them start to break into my house. And so I did what anyone would do. I took the cordless phone and I went and hid in my parents' closet. And I called and and I should have called the police, but I called my dad instead. Um and he started to come home, but I sat there through the louvered um, closet doors watching this girl go from room to room to find me, to pull me out, to be beaten up by this giant mob of kids. Wow. It was terrifying. Um, and then uh, I watched her as she actually uh, stole some gemstones from my father's dresser. Uh, and and she stole some Christmas presents that we had laying around, um, and and she, you know, went out and said Liz isn't there, and and they all left. But it was really one of the most terrifying experiences that I've had, either as a child or as an adult. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, so what ended up happening to her? So when I explained to my father that she had indeed um, stolen the gemstones, um, instead of calling the police, he called her mother. I think that the idea was that we don't want to ruin this girl's life. Um, and it was. And so I don't think anything really happened to her. The gemstones were uh, were given back to my father. They were returned. Um, and we never contacted the police about this. And um, the reason being was, I didn't recognize it at the time, but my parents tried to explain to me that I wasn't being bullied because I did anything wrong. I, there was no reason for me to um, fear for my life, but I was being bullied because she, my bullier was a child in crisis. Uh, she didn't have the same home life. She, did, uh, she didn't have a father in the home um, and she didn't have supervision and she was in trouble at school. And all of these things were um, uh, uh, symbols of a child in crisis. And my parents didn't want to add to that. They were afraid that she just couldn't come back from that. Um, and they felt that I was strong enough to overcome it. And so that was the choice that they made. Uh, and so um, I went, I was forced to go to school two days later um, where I was walking down the hallway. I got a tap on the shoulder and I turned around to see who it was and it was her. And she, uh, her fist met my face and she knocked me out in front of the library in one sucker punch. Wow. So there I was laid out uh, and I got back up um, and I immediately went to the office. I mean, I was hysterical. When I tell you, I had that black eye for three, four weeks. It was purple, green. It was giant. Um, but the principal at the time told me, there's really nothing that I can do to protect you. So you might be better off changing schools. Jeez. And that's how it was then. It was 1988 or 89. Um, and, and so I wound up going to a Catholic school in Waterbury where um, I was very... I, I noticed when other kids were getting bullied. And so therefore I started to stand up for those kids and I would be the peacemaker and I would try to get everybody together. And, and I think that that was the um, being able to do that was what shaped my life even more because now I realized that if someone doesn't have a voice where they can stand up for themselves, it's up to people like us who do right. to stand up for them. Right. And that, yeah. that actually ties a little bit um, into the legislation because it's, not about 
necessarily punishing the bully, right? Exactly. It's It's not. Because those bullies, just like my parents taught me so many years ago, uh, these are kids in crisis. So the idea was that we would have legislation that would automatically trigger um, a, a visit to the school psychologist or a counselor um, if someone is a labeled a bully, which I really hate that term. Um, but to use the layman's terms that everybody knows, that's what that is. Originally, the legislation really spelled that out. Um, and because of um, constraints regarding mandates, uh, we actually had to pull that out of the legislation. But because there's always a workaround. What we did was um, in that legislation, and we can get into whatever part that you want uh, to talk about. However, um, instead of just completely taking that out, we um, created this law that would require a social emotional learning um, school collaborative to come out with a school model policy. And in that policy, um, we are including the fact that um, bullies should have some sort of intervention process. So while it's not an actual mandate, it is in our school model policy that we'll be coming out with shortly. So all districts can put forth that school climate. Okay. Um, could you expand a little bit more about um what else the legislation does, what what right. the different aspects of it are. Yeah, so um, maybe it's helpful to explain where it comes from first. Sure. So, so that people can understand why we did this and how we did this. Uh, so unfortunately, there was a horrible tragedy in my district. A young girl um, named Angelita took her own life while she was in sixth grade. Um, this was the result of, according to many in the district, of bullying Um, But I think there are always other factors going in. Um, But the town of Cheshire really rallied around this family and it started this conversation that hadn't been had before. Uh, And in talking with parents, it was that um, maybe school districts don't know what to do with this when this happens. Um, Are we too focused on punishment and not working on Um, why someone is bullying. And then additionally, there's bullying someone like me where I was able to, I had the foundation where I can move past it. Well, how do we catch the kids who maybe don't, they're not equipped with that um, uh, emotional stamina to move past it? So out of that came Angelita's Law. And what this does, in addition to what I said before, creating a school Um, a school climate model policy for districts to enact. It also um, requires that there is suicide screening by the third grade. This is tremendous. It is a huge step forward uh, because we don't we don't do that. People think um, suicide is something you don't talk about it because you put the idea into someone's head. That's not the case. We know through data uh, that the more we talk about it and the more we ask questions, the more we're able to um, get these kids who are otherwise falling through the cracks so that we can help them. So what this will do um, is put forth uh, some model questions that we can ask of children um, that are appropriate by age um, to see if they are at risk of suicide. Yeah, And you normally wouldn't really think of it um, in third grade, you know, I mean, they, you, you think of it to. more as an adult problem, but it's not I mean, the, the, the cases... numbers. Yeah. The numbers show that um, suicide is uh, the second leading cause of death among children. 
uh, preventable death among children. So this is uh, something we really, really needed to focus on. Um, And in all honesty, there were a lot of hurdles that we needed to overcome, even within our own legislative body, because there is that thought that talking about it will somehow make someone do it. And that's the data just shows that that's just not the case. Um, so when do you expect the model climate plan to actually be completed? So uh, it, we have our first draft completed now, oh. um, and it was sent out to the Social Emotional Learning Collaborative, which is made up of um, people from all walks uh, of child development, right? So we have someone from the State Department of Education. We have um, teacher representatives. We have school psychologist representatives. I mean, it's a really, it's a huge all-encompassing panel, including doctors even. Um, And so we have the first draft that has been sent to members and we're looking through that and we'll be making some changes and sending it back. And I hope that we'll be voting on it uh, in the March meeting. So what are the next steps uh, with this legislation? So what we're looking to do this year Um, is to actually eliminate the reporting mandates uh, for bullying in schools. We have found that, uh, believe it or not, most districts don't do the mandated reporting regarding bullying. Um, And and the ones that do, they send it to the State Department of Education and it just sits there. But uh, in speaking with districts around the state, one of the reasons that they are hesitant to report bullying issues is the fact that your district doesn't want to be labeled a bullying school. I'm uh, the thought, and I'm not saying that this is actual fact, but the perception um, among municipalities is that if your school is labeled a school that has problems with bullying, then all of a sudden your school districts become less desirable. People don't want to move in, right? Um, and ultimately, uh, if your grand list shrinks, your tax rates are going up, yep. and this becomes something that is so m- much. It has such a wider girth than we ever thought that it would have. So the thought is, is that we are going to eliminate that reporting because we weren't really doing anything with the data anyways. Uh, And in the new model policy that we will be voting on in the Social Emotional Learning Collaborative, um, that now it frees up these districts to help those kids who need it, right? So no longer is it hello, we are from such and such district and we had 128 incidents of bullying, right? That looks bad in a certain degree, but we were worried about the districts that we are from so-and-so and and we have zero instances of bullying. Right. That's impossible. So if a district says to us that they have zero instances of bullying, we know that there is a whole range of children who are not getting the help they need. So by eliminating that mandate, we believe we're going to be helping more kids. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, Representative Linehan, thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast. Thank it was you so much. a great conversation. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. And, um, and if I may, just say one last thing to anyone listening to this. Uh, don't be afraid to call out bullying when you see it. And don't be afraid to recognize it in your own child. I think this is something that parents need to realize. Um, when your child bullies, it's a call for help. Uh, so I think that parents need to stand united and make sure that we're not only protecting the victims, but we're protecting those kids who are acting out too. Well, there you have it. An important conversation about an important piece of legislation. 
I want to thank you for listening to the Connecticut House Democrats podcast. And I hope you'll join us again next episode when I talk to Representative Bobby Sanchez about SB 5521, an act requiring the Office of Early Childhood to develop a proposed early childhood educator compensation schedule. Until then, keep it steady, everyone. See ya.